And here we are. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Joe. Happy New Year. Scott, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's all going to go down in 2023. This is the year. This is our year. I mean, this is when we make the world great again. Um, and who is our? WGW. Make the world great again. Okay, um, what? That doesn't roll off the tongue. No. No, you'll never top MAGA. <laughs> MAGA? Well, we can talk about MAGA. Let's make America great again. That's the first the first order of business. It's going to happen this year. You think? Yeah, absolutely. Come on. It's over. Mm. It's over. No, Give it, it up, Joe. Give it, up the cost. It depends, depends what you mean by making it great again. Okay. What do you, you mean You see, you have to be precise. And, and what, when someone says something like that, you have to say, well, what do you mean by make it great again? You can't just assume that that means what you think it means, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to make America great again, in my opinion, America would have to be changed. For the better. Well, yeah, obviously making it great again implies that's going to be better, oh, but okay. it's, it's, uh, it, it applies a significant change. Are we talking about revolution? Just some major change. Okay. But the final outcome is that America has been made great again. If it ever was great, I suppose you could say it was great but uh, at a certain point in time. But um, to make it great again, it has to go through a significant amount of change. Well, you began by saying now, if, what? this would happen globally. Well, this, you, well, it would start with America. Yeah. You said make the world great again. I said, well, make, and you said that won't top MAGA, make America great again. I said, well, we'll start with America. And its influence is such that it will affect the whole world. Well, it always does, doesn't it? Okay. So, yeah, okay. But are you talking about a, a Biden administration? No. Huh? Who's, who's going to make America great again, therefore the world? Biden? Joe Biden? No. Um, it'll just happen naturally. Okay, so you're talking about circumstances. Mm. <laughs> what kind of circumstances are we thinking of? Well, you know, when you have a... Inadvertent consequences. I mean, for example... Not even intentional. You know, what, you know like when you change your house uh-huh. to make it great again. Say your house has fallen into disrepair. Right. And you want to make it great again, like it used to be when you bought it. Mm. But it's fallen into such disrepair that it needs extensive renovation, up and the, to and including knocking some walls down. And so the temporary relocation of its inhabitants. Maybe. Uh, so the process of making America great again does not preclude the idea of there being some kind of radical restructuring. Okay. Come on. Th- this is all metaphor, so... Not really. No. <laughs> what are you thinking? No, no. I'm, Economic uh, collapse? President John Bolton? President John Bolton. Well, that can only be the next mu- year. That can't be this year. The mustachioed one. Yeah, that's next year. No, um, no, I'm kind of, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I think there's pretty, pretty significant things um, going to go down this year in America. Uh, for example, consider, uh, don't listen to me. Take it from uh, the great orange man himself. Um, after recent events in the American Congress um, as quoted by Marjorie Taylor Greene Donald J. Trump said it's looking very good for the Republican Party and our country tonight all coming together stay tuned 
Oh. Trump's plan is all coming together. You know, it's, he's kind of like, um, he's kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know? Do you know the story, uh, story in Star Wars? Uh, Scotty knows the story of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, obviously, obviously. Uh, but the, the basic gist is that Obi-Wan, you know, sacrificed himself. And in the sacrificing of himself, you thought that that was the end, that it was over, that it was done. Mm. Uh, that the dark side had won. But in fact, by sacrificing himself, he had actually achieved that which we, which, which he couldn't achieve while he was alive, which was the rise of the Jedi and the destruction of the, of the, um, of the Empire. You know? Right. Are you so, suggesting Trump is Obi-Wan well, Kenobi? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> Although he didn't die physically, he did take political death. But as he says in that tweet there, it's all coming together. Stay tuned. So <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think he is getting at then? His, his, oh, spell it out. <laughs> well, it's kind of obvious, no? No, I have a clue. <laughs> no? His agenda that he was unable to achieve while he was in... in there he is. There he is. There, you see? Somebody already had the idea. His agenda that he was attempting to achieve while in an office, but was prevented from doing so, is being achieved by his, you know, after his, after he's gone. Um, you know, or he, he he thinks that it will be achieved after he's gone. Basically, that he has his time in office left a legacy that will, in time, bear fruit. Oh, okay. So Matt Gates, Marjorie Green, Jim Jordan, Lauren, but Bobert or whatever. Bobert, Bobert, but they're only twenty. I look at that numbers and go, I look at it from the other side. You see the glass half full. I see it half empty. Mm. I look at it and go, after all of this, from 2016 to today, all the American people have to show Mm. are 20 representatives on their side versus 400 and whatever the rest are on the elite side. And it's kind of pathetic, no? They have 20, three and some million people have 20 representatives and the other 20 million have all the others. But Trump's suggesting, or you're suggesting that just having those 20 is going to change the whole agenda this year. It's going to result in legislation passed in Congress. Well, it's not only 20. That's kind of a bit kind of over, oversimplified. I mean, if you look at, this is another one from Marjorie Taylor Green uh, just the other day, um, actually... Yeah, yesterday, uh, Republicans, Republicans will bring back, will bring accountability back to Washington. We will investigate Dr. Fauci. We will repeal the eighty-seven thousand IRS army, and we will impeach Joe Biden. I just scroll down to the, uh, just to the very first. Did you get the, the same? Yeah, same comments on it. Uh, talk is cheap. It better get done. Uh, and then the fourth one down there from somebody called Jerome Bell. Just like Kevin and the rest of the Never Trumpers did in 2016 to 18, when we controlled both houses and the presidency. Yeah, I, huh? I'm with them. I'm as cynical as them. I, but I don't see what. Well, well convince, me, convince me. Start to convince us. What, what, what is it that will make things actually move? Swamp draining, as Trump termed it. Yeah, there's not going to be any swamp draining in that, in that respect, I don't think. Oh, but. Okay. Um, well, then. Oh, that's it. If the swamp isn't drained, then whatever. Forget about it. I don't want. Um, no, it's. Uh, I think the, those they have. Well, there's twenty of them, but and obviously the the, the Republicans have a, a majority of ten in Congress, and 
a minority of one in, uh, or sorry, um, the Democrats have a majority of one in, in the Senate. Anyway, in Congress, Republicans, 10, ten majority. Um, but there's a lot more than those 20 that were okay, uh, sure. that were the other day that caused the 15, 15 different votes to try and get um, this guy McCarthy, who's a Republican uh, congressman from, uh, I think, 17 years, uh, Republican, Republican, Republican congressman from California, who is normally, supposedly, a kind of true blue Republican, whatever, supporter of Trump and stuff. But these 20 that voted against him repeatedly uh, don't believe that. And there's good reason to believe that, I suppose. But And that's why they're holding his feet to the fire, basically, and didn't vote for him repeatedly, you know, forced a, a vote over and over and over again. And again, they were able to force it because the, the Republicans have a majority, majority. a 10 majority, uh, plus with their uh, their 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 number, 15 or 20 of them, uh, they were able to get enough people to not give him the majority that he needed to. It, it was safe to have their protest because the Democrats would never get over the minimum threshold they needed. Exactly. They were consistent throughout. The exactly. Democrats always voted for this. Right. Uh, and the Democrats. Team Jeffries. Right. And they would never vote for anybody but Jeffries. Yeah. There's no way any Democrat is going to vote for any Republican, regardless of how much of a rhino, i.e. Republican in name only he is. Mm. Uh, they're always going to vote for it. In fact, it's historically, it's, it would be very bad form for any uh, Democrat to not vote for the person that who was nominated by their party that's, for the yeah. for the. For that's the why this vote... This, vote for speaker should have been formality it usually is yeah. this is decided in at election right. time as soon as right. you get a majority in the house that's it everyone knows that they'll get the speaker and there's somebody nominated the hold up was this inter-republican party issue yeah exactly and, and you know the media is presenting it as kind of you know conflict within the republican party etc but it's not it's it's the legacy of trump basically whether you like it or not and maybe a lot of people think that trump was in for years it was a complete disaster it was all a mess it was orange man bad he was you know did all sorts of bad things he was impeached twice and um and it was just a, a, an aberration it was crap and nothing really happened during trump's uh, administration nothing of any significance it was just an anomaly he's gone now and we can move on that's not really obviously the case uh trump awoke the kraken uh, during those four years in in in, in the administration, he he awakened um, at least amongst a, a significant number, and of course those twenty uh, that are were, were were against McCarthy and stonewalling his his nomination or his approval for speaker, they are the ones who are standing up. But there's probably a significant number of other Republicans who are you know to one extent or another have been uh, red pilled by by the Trump administration and emboldened in a certain sense to. Um, Get on board with, uh, get back on board with historical or traditional Republican values, um, and these twenty that that we've been talking about are the ones who are obviously up front and very committed to it. Um, but there's you know a significant number of others who will, uh, who will, who, who I think have been, uh, like I said, kind of Republican red pilled. Uh, and, and that is Trump's legacy, basically. And Trump still has a significant amount of influence. I mean, as much as the media presented this image that we all got of Trump, I don't think, you know, it was so simplistic or so, so black and white amongst the actual political class, um, and obviously in particular the Republicans. And they, they were able to look beyond the orange man bad and see Trump and Trump's policies as, uh, you know, traditional, proper, accurate, good uh, Republican uh, policies and values that they, you know, would be willing, I'd say, to, to get to get 
at least to move in that direction, to get back to traditional um, okay, Republican values. Uh, there's a lot of questions here. What are those? Because since 1963, For, it's a uni party. The values are all the same. You're talking yeah. about something that goes back into well, I don't know if it's been before the war, before World War Two. Well, no, no, I don't think it. I think the line I would draw would be where it where it became a kind of very decisively a uni a uni party, effectively between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, at least in terms of the effects on the world today and what we're living with today was after, it was from 9-11 and after 9-11, the, the rise of the neocons, maybe just before 9-11, 9-11, the neocons, the Bush years, um, they're globalists basically, they're, they're the uni party, the neocons are the uni party, the, the war party, the imperialist party, the globalist party, um, the f- screw America, America is basically just the, 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 the body that we leech from in order to uh, expand our influence and control around the world basically and that obviously was not, is very very divergent from traditional Republican values, which, you know, traditional Republican values, at least from an economic perspective, are, are, would be protectionist, economically protectionist in, in, certain, in certain situations, you know. And certainly in the 90, in, since the Second World War, whatever, the 70s, 80s, 90s, America could afford in a certain sense, certainly after the, you know, yes, during the Cold War, but then in the 90s and into the 2000s, that's why the neocons rose, because there was no competitor. They could... They could feel free and emboldened to spread themselves around the world because there was no peer competitors. But in the last 20 years, with the rise of peer competitors, all sensible, rational Republicans who haven't bought that uni-party uh, globalist imperialist uh, or swallowed that, that pill realize that the world they're in right now today is not the same world that they were in when that expansion of American power and influence around the world really really took off after 9-11 um, in, in an aggressive kind of, you know, a pathological way, um, they realise they're not, not. The world is different; it has changed very quickly, and America is facing serious problems. Is looking down the barrel of a gun, basically, right now, and the only rational thing to do in order in, in America's interests is to go back to America first, basically, make America great again, which was America first, America make America great again. Okay, so do what <clears throat> instead of what what they're currently doing. Give me examples cut, of what they're currently cut. doing and what they would actually do instead. Uh, well, if, if Marjorie Green Taylor's triumphant, can you put that tweet back up? She had a list of three things mm-hmm. happening this year as far as she's concerned. Well, she hopes. <clears throat> uh, well, in a generality, bring accountability back to Washington, okay? Investigate Fauci. Mm. Do you think that's on the cards this year? Maybe. It does, it's, it's not really that important. It's something that, that would appeal to their base or whatever. And appeal to, well, they're personally motivated to do as well because, you know, they want to go after the people that they don't agree with or they think that was part of the whole and the so, Washington establishment. But a, 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 major, thing, okay, but a major thing is, is you know, like, a, like I've more or less been saying, is uh, military expansionism around the world. That's obviously the main thing that I'm talking about. Oh, so, okay. Impeaching Joe Biden, no. Maybe. Okay, maybe. Okay, but those things... So you think this is going to result in increase or lesser? Well, less. Less. Obviously, protectionism, yeah. Make America great again. Build infrastructure at home. Stop throwing billions at countries around the world. So Ukraine. Stop financing foreign wars. Yeah, they're all quite openly against... Uh, uh, funding more, Ukraine's more, war against the, Russia. The, the funding that has been given to them and the funding that, and any future funding, they're very much against it. Um, and part of the concessions that they got from McCarthy was... Um, one of them, I mean, there's several concessions, whatever, but one of them was um, that that Gates himself was demanding the the Florida congressman uh, was demanding the chairmanship of key House Armed Services committees, 
Um, there's many of those, many key house arm, or house armed services com, com, subcommittees that deal with intelligence and military, and the Pentagon, all that kind of stuff, different aspects of it. But they didn't say which one they wanted. But they're they're focused on having more, much more oversight, essentially over Pentagon spending and Pentagon uh, action, and you know, obviously that's all tied up with military funding to foreign countries. And do you think the that the intelligence community, in quotes, is going to have to adapt to that. Well, well they've a lot been of calling the shots since 1963. I mean, well, well, you have to remember that a lot of this stuff has to go through Congress, like it does go through Congress and is signed off in Congress, and no money goes anywhere, regardless of what the intelligence community wants. No money goes anywhere. The intelligence community may have their own money, but no public American tax dollars dollars go anywhere without until some kind of a bill is is passed and signed off on by Congress. You know, I mean, you shouldn't think of the intelligence community as like some kind of a. Uh, uh, there, is, there is a over the overt stru- government structures in America, and, and most countries do still play a part. They're not just a bunch of puppets who like are pretending to do to, to to go to work or pretending to have any power or influence. They do actually have some some the, the power and influence that it, it, it they appear to have. But uh, and of course. That doesn't mean that intelligence communities don't lean on them and put pressure on, and you know have all sorts of six ways from Sunday, as Chuck Schumer once said, to, to get to get at any politician. But they don't have, um, you know. So it's it, essentially, at the very least, it would be set up for a for a battle in a certain sense between the two, you know, which in itself would be a problem if it, if it only delays it or ham uh, hamstrings it, or whatever. Um, then that's that's still a problem, you know. Uh, compared to right now, which have this open, yes, everybody agrees, the free flow of, you know, let's support Ukraine to last Ukrainian, give them whatever they want. Let's increase, you know, it's, let's uh, uh, escalate the, the, the types of weapons and the, and the types of uh, uh, weaponry that's supplied to Ukraine, etc. Right now it's open season, basically. So anything that would come away from that would be, uh, <laughs> would be, uh, would be a problem. Problem for Ukraine, especially since Ukraine right now is in a fairly delicate, uh, at a delicate moment, and a, almost at an, an inflection point in a certain sense is, is brewing in Ukraine. You know, so yeah. So in summary, you think the more MAGA established, oh, a Republican-controlled Congress mm. with a large dose of MAGA, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if they don't really believe it, but they're tied to it because of the influence of, of an important wing, a wing of them they'll need to pass votes to control committees to sign off on everything the CIA wants, mm-hmm. will have the overall effect this year going forwards for the remaining two years of this term of uh, making the U.S., much more isolationless, mm-hmm. like markedly so. Like we'll notice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ukraine, forget it. That's now off on its own, pretty much. Because that, that, that combined, Ukraine, with- I say that in a, an extreme sense because Ukraine is one hundred percent funded by the U.S. Yeah. government at this point. But, but that combined with inherent problems within the within the Ukrainian conflict, and, and as far as it's going, how it's not going very well, let's say, for the Ukrainians. I mean, that's progressing day by day by day. That, that conflict is progressing. We can talk about it a little, uh, little bit later uh, where that's actually at, but it's all... There's a, there's a convergence of, of things uh, that I see anyway happening, and happening right now, you know, within the next few months. That would be less interference in European politics... Um, 
it's, it's, uh, yeah. for example. Well, it could be. The, it could ultimately, you know, through various different, you know, uh, steps, it could lead to the collapse of NATO. I mean, there's other things involved here where you actually have. Because we talk about, we'll talk about that when we talk about Ukraine. But there's, there's, you know, there's a possibility of um, some sort of collapse of of NATO. Mm. Or the, the 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 fracturing of NATO, basically, or the fall fall from grace, let's say, of NATO, uh, at some point this year as well. And the elephant in the room, the the actual competitor to American hegemony, China, mm-hmm. they just sort of back away from that. From what? Uh, yesterday, for example, they sent a U.S. warship to yeah. the Taiwan Strait. That's that shit's gone, provoking China to force it to. Retake Taiwan just like they forced Russia Not to move into Ukraine. Well, I don't. F- Therefore, just that was that was never going to happen. Like, if oh. you look, I mean, China's been looking at what's happening in Ukraine, and, and and it's it's probably predicted, you know, that the Ukraine situation will come to an end probably at some point this year, uh, with a, you know, for everybody except the deluded Western media and the Ukrainian, you know, uh, NAFO types themselves, uh, a, a Russian victory. Um, but they're watching, the Chinese obviously are watching how, because uh, it's, you know, they can draw conclusions in a certain sense. It's not exactly the same situation, but you basically have uh, Ukraine being used by America to threaten Russia. And, and the South China and in, in Asia have Taiwan being used in one way or another by the US to threaten China, with China threatening that it. If pushed, it would invade Taiwan. Exactly the same way that Russia has said repeatedly, if pushed, I will invade Ukraine. So, you know, there's a lot to be learned, at least in terms of, uh, from the overall dynamics by the Chinese, uh, in terms of how, I suppose just from the point of view of the resolve, let's say, they get a good idea of the resolve of of the Americans uh, for, uh, you know, behind the bluster, behind the talk, behind the rhetoric, behind the saber-rattling, etc., what they would actually do, you know. So um, the Americans were never going to have a war against China. Uh, they were going to do, always going to do exactly the same thing they've done in Ukraine, which was one thing they have been doing to some extent, which was uh, arm, fund to arm and train Taiwan and uh, try and stop China from ever thinking about invading or going to the point of invading. But at the same time, antagonizing China, because the main problem for the Americans with China is economic. It's not necessarily military. Military, military it's, it's, it's economic. And this again gets back to Trump and his China, 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 and China screwing us over economically, blah, 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 all the things. Look at all the things that Trump said. Mm-hmm. And if you can, if you can interpret what he's saying through his, his particular use of the vernacular, understand that he, what he was saying is actually true and that these uh, MAGA Republicans basically in, in Congress and many other Republicans, I think, uh, think the same way so that they may be this year also planning to uh, introduce and have passed, hopefully, from their perspective, uh, Mm. bills and policies that um, push back against China economically, that piss off China economically and, and, and sour the relationship with China. Um, yeah, basically industrial sabotage, preventing um, right. fair competition. Right. It's, not, it's no longer a fair, the, free, free trade world. Yeah, it's, uh, basically it's no longer a free, a free trade world that America dominates. That's not the world we live in, like we was saying on our own. That's, they realize that's not the world we live in, they live in anymore. And that it's getting to, the, if not already, it's getting very, very, very quickly to the point where it's every man for himself, every country for themselves. They're, these people have to 
turn that ship of state, the American ship of state that was, you know, certainly since, uh, okay, you could say since the Second World War, but certainly since the 1990s had decided the world was its oyster. It, it owned everything. There was no competitor and we can do whatever we want and we can set up uh, trade, uh, global trade in a way that benefits us because they didn't really have any significant pushback from any country that was able to push back significantly either economically or militarily. That's changed in the last 30 years since then in a big way. And those those that way of doing business, of seeing that you, you can just go around the world and, and have your say, have your way, is not possible anymore. And they're being screwed over. They're, they're being challenged. So they have to readjust in order to, to continue to compete and to continue to um, service the American economy effectively and service uh, the needs of the American people. Again, I mean, you have to allow that there's some... As cynical as you might be about people in members of Congress, that there are people who in Congress who actually are genuinely concerned about the country they live in uh, and the welfare of the people, in the, uh, the welfare of the citizens in that country and them as representatives of the citizens in government tasked with making decisions that are to the betterment of the people, etc., etc., infrastructure, all that kind of stuff there. They want to do that uh, in, a, in a genuine way. And the only way they have to do it is through policy. Will through they policy close bills. any of their 800 bases? Well, which are funded by maybe. U.S. dollar supremacy. Mm-hmm. Do they think they can just keep printing money and go yeah, to yeah. trillions more debt, or yeah. is that part of the reality check? Because that's something Trump said again, garbled through his vernacular, mm-hmm. but over and over and over, he said we can't just keep printing because yeah. the dollars are going to come back someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there Do you think they're getting real to that? I think a lot of them are. I know that very well. If you were to talk to anyone, they would probably totally agree with that. That's that what Trump has said at that time, and what. You know that's that's the reality right now, and they need to do something about it. They need to get real and get realistic, and and you know they don't might want to admit it, but they have to realize or accept their new position in the world that it's effectively they're they're already in a multipolar world. They may as well they should act as if they're already in a multipolar world to prepare for the actual inception of a multipolar world. You don't want to wait until a multipolar world is forced on you and and suffer the consequences because you haven't prepared. So I think that's that's. Well, they're thinking that that's what their thrust is, and they um, and it, but yeah, it'll be, and they'll have to fight for it, and have to. But they set it up this way, you know. They they saw this guy McCarthy as like you know he's a Republican, he's you know he's the one that he's the only one that every we're going to get enough people of, amongst the rest of the Republican members of Congress to vote for, but we need to nail him to the wall. Basically, we need we can't just let him as a kind of, you know... Business as usual. Business as usual, Matt lobbying interests. the kind of guy who turns up to Congress wearing a Ukrainian lapel, right. and he's known as Mr. Lobby Guy. Right, exactly. Like, that's what they call him at Congress. Mm-hmm. He's such a sellout mm-hmm. to yeah. moneyed interests, mm-hmm. not his constituents who Absolutely. voted for him. Yeah, so they have to pin him down. And that's why they had that one vote. One vote is enough to trigger a, 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 a vote. One, one member of Congress can trigger a vote of, of, to remove him. And they, that's a portion. They haven't released all the details, but I mean, there were many concessions that they supposedly exacted from him, which was primarily uh, the membership or chairmanship of various different committees and subcommittees that effectively uh, get to decide how you know how bills are how bills are, are brought to Congress, which ones go on first. That have a, a that have a significant influence on the types of bills that are brought to Congress when they're brought, and effectively. And have a significant influence on the types of bills that are brought to Congress, and which ones get passed. Which is, 
significant influence over making legislation that becomes law that has to be enacted on, that has to be acted on, sorry. Hmm. Regardless of what the CIA wants, this officially is the law. This is a bill that has been passed. And therefore, if this bill says that no more money or less money is going to A, B or C, somebody has to you know, go through the motions at least of not paying that money out to A, B or C like we, did, like we have been all along. You know? So, you know, that's assuming that it's not all just a facade and everything Congress do, does and all the bills they pass are completely irrelevant, that actually they can pass whatever bill they want, but uh, things continue on as they were before regardless. I don't think that's the case. So, uh, yeah. So that's basically what I mean in terms of making America great again. But, of course, it's uh, – I'm not naive enough to think it's, you know, that, that there won't be – it won't be very difficult to – for uh, these people who want America to kind of restructure and reframe what America is and the way it acts and interacts with the rest of the world, uh, that they're going to they're going to have a clean sweep type thing. That it, there will be a lot of pushback and a lot of dirty tricks and all sorts of stuff going on. It'll just descend into that kind of chaos. But that in itself is part of the process, I think, of uh, um, increasing political chaos and disagreement and lack of proper functioning of the American political system is part of making America great again. It's the part of the breaking down to remake. And it extends out then, because of America's influence in the world, to lots of other other aspects, well, other major aspects within the world, other major events or, or things that are ongoing within the world, like we mentioned, Ukraine and, and, and China. And then economically, obviously, they're already gone. They've gone far enough along the line of globalism that any major country that has, especially America, that has uh, gets into financial difficulty, it has repercussions for everybody else, you know. So, all right, so <clears throat> yeah, big changes afoot in 2023. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's anybody could say that, you know. It's like you'd be like a a broken clock, you know, you're right twice a day type thing. If you just say stuff's gonna happen, you know. Um, but I think I'm just trying to flesh out a little bit more clearly, like the. the what I think is 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 the general trends basically um, that there's going to at least be a significant fight within Congress within the American political system. There almost was literally, yeah, over over the direction of American foreign and by implication domestic policy, but particularly foreign policy. Let's say uh, because it's through foreign policy that America services its uh, domestic policy in a certain sense. It's it's America services its domestic debt by foreign. Through through the through foreign policy, and does this include deindustrializing Europe and plundering it? It's well, they've already, over. They've already started to try. Is and Nord do Stream that. MAGA or globalist CIA stuff? Well, Nord Stream would technically be MAGA. And it would technically be approved by Trump. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's every man for himself. Like it's right. dog eat dog. It's whatever works. It's America first. You know, right? Uh, when there's a fight and it's for 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 economic survival. There's very little that wouldn't be sanctioned, you know. Okay, assassinations, covert ops, Maybe. yeah, um, except rig- rigging foreign elections. Yeah, <laughs> so more the yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. But except the people who do that t- traditionally, were doing it in the interests of global uh, globalism and America's uh, imperial, extending America's imperial reach. Like particularly intel agencies for the ones who would have been involved in assassinations and coups and all that kind of stuff. You know, also the State Department, obviously, but. Uh, but I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think, no, I don't think it extends that because that doesn't really necessarily help you. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like, I think it's more of a, of a 
of a withdrawing from the world that you see, withdrawing from America into itself and it not being not being liked by its allies or the allies that it's had up until now, its NATO allies, particularly in other countries, as America kind of withdraws into itself, essentially, uh, they won't be happy about it because it's like, you know, you made us dependent on you for so, such a long time and now you're just dropping us. Um, so, yeah, and it, it's weird, though, because um, the impression I got from Congress was that there wasn't much pushback. I think the Democrats, obviously the Democrats are still the Democrats, uh, but they... They seem to think that this guy McCarthy is, you know, he's malleable enough. We can, you know, we'll be able to control him in a certain sense. You know what I mean? Or maybe they've just decided that they're happy with the fact that Biden's in the White House. They have control of the Senate. Nothing big is going to change anyway. So we're not going to, you know, because there's been very muted response to this whole, based on my analysis of the situation, some have, there have been some, you know, suggestions like, or, or, or write-ups about it along similar lines type thing, but there's been very muted uh, response from the traditionally, you know, leftist media, CNN, etc., etc. Uh, a muted response to these, to what happened, where you had a gang of, like, people who are more more Trump than Trump. Right. And controlling, you know, who, not just controlling who, well, not really controlling, but exerting that kind of influence over the Speaker of the House who's second in line, second in line to the President has, has a lot of power. Here you have a bunch of MAGA, basically Trump representatives, the long finger, the long hand of Trump mm-hmm. reaching out from Mar-a-Lago <coughs> into the Congress and having a direct influence on American foreign and domestic policy. And I would have expected them to be apoplectic about that and mm-hmm. to be screaming it from the rafters or the rooftops. But... Um, it was very muted, uh, which I thought was strange. Mm. So it's almost like, I don't know, maybe there's somewhere in the bowels of, of Capitol Hill, uh, uh, there's been a, a message from whoever uh, <clears throat> well, in the uh, deep state to say, listen, just... Well, th- that, that should scare Amer- ordinary pro-Trump Americans. The alignment of D.C. with MAGA is it's not going to be MAGA. <laughs> it's going to be awful. <laughs> that would be my first... Yeah, reasonable blink would be like it's gone, it's done for. But if, as you say, there is possibility for significant alignment of interests that actually do work in American people's interests, then yeah, something to be happy about for them. For the rest of the world, uh, not so much. But you know, yeah, um, I, I, I don't know, I. I it's interesting, but I, I see. I looked at it yesterday and thought, okay, we had a near brawl in the Senate. Well, and it, mm. I thought it pretended more to come. For years, videos have gone viral in the West, mocking and laughing at Parliament brawls in those other countries mm. where they don't have our beautiful system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, an actual brawl came to pass right at the death, at the peak of the on the last boat. Well, it was one guy gesticulating at, at Matt, Matt Gates and just being pulled away. Like it wasn't exactly, you know what I mean? <laughs> it didn't it didn't really it didn't really match up with. Uh, it couldn't compete with the kind of brawls you had in in other other countries, particularly Asian countries and Middle Eastern countries and stuff like that. Um, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and McCarthy himself said that he didn't have any harsh words with uh, with Gates. You know, it was just 
some other dude who was supportive of McCarthy just got a bit angry at, at Gates for pushing it to 15 different votes, 15 consecutive votes, basically. And for some reason, some guy that was with him grabbed him around the face, said why he was going to grab him around. It's not like the guy was actually, you know, swinging or something at him or whatever. He just was kind of like leaning in and pointing his finger to the guy, grabbed him by the face and kind of pulled him back, or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but um, yeah. I have to see how it pans out. It all depends on... on it's, what I'm saying is that if it goes in that direction that I'm kind of saying, which is that it goes towards more towards American protectionism and that kind of stuff, if those kind of bills get passed and, and funding gets cut off for Ukraine, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and, uh, and anti-China uh, economic policies and you know, laws are passed, whatever, sanctions, basically sanctions, and, and other things like that, if you see America kind of like divesting essentially and to a large extent divesting, but, you know, obviously it's going to keep its military base around the world for security and stuff. You know, that that's a bridge too far, but there's a lot that can be done short of that in terms of stopping spending large amounts, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of um, American taxpayers' money abroad, effectively, and instead spending it at home um, in investment and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, economic policies where you steal... Uh, you steal industry from from Europe, you blow up Nord Stream two, and then you have a have a bill that says, you know, an inflation reduction act that provides hundreds of billions of dollars for investment in America by European con- by European companies, uh, subsidies to invest in America, uh, where gas and oil is a lot cheaper compared to Europe because we just blow up Nord Stream pipelines. That's you know that makes economic sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, if it goes in that direction, it'll be because, you know, everybody's on board with it. And I don't know how everybody was ever not on board with it. I don't know. I don't. It was one of the abiding, <clears throat> puzzling things for me during the, the, the Trump era, how him talking, if you, if you stripped away all the bullshit that they claimed that he was talking about and saw what he was actually saying, he was basically saying, Spent money in America, invest in America, build up American in- infrastructure, build up American jobs, build up American industry. Who, who, who in, in Congress disagrees with that? Who could? Who can reasonably disagree the, with that? The corporate overclass, Wall Street, because the what are called yeah. MNCs, multinational corporations, are actually overwhelmingly American owned, yeah. and they don't. And for them, the United States is irrelevant. Too expensive. They're they're. The profits come from everywhere, yeah. the world over. Some of their biggest profits come from China. Yeah. Some of the biggest profits in China come from Chinese state-owned companies, which I only discovered in December when yeah. someone, I forget his name, some economist, uh, academic guy, gave an analysis. You're not going to believe this, he said. Since 2008, American MNCs, M, they're really AACs, they're American corporations. Their profits have exploded yeah. in their control of Chinese state-owned companies. Their investment in so, yeah. Wrecking China, for example. That's why there's always been such a... That's the real reason why the Democrats have always been like, no, 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 tone down the rhetoric on China because we're not actually... We can't afford an economic... And Whereas Trump's like, China, 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 mm-hmm. sanction them, you know. They know that the Wall Street gets so much from China as it is. Why upset that apple cart? So yeah. that's just one extreme example where they're, they're, 
you ask, it seems illogical. Why do they not want to invest in America? Because they're investing in the whole in anything in the world where hot money delivers hot profits. Yeah, and America, America's just customer base for them. But that's not very responsive. It's just a home base. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a customer base. It's, there's 320 million people who will buy stuff that's made abroad uh, that they haven't, by companies uh, abroad that they either own or have invested in who are then making products and selling them to the world, including to 320 million Americans. So it's a customer base. And Trump's thing, broadly speaking, was why is there not industry in America providing jobs in America and stability for America, long-term stability for America? Americans can't just be a bunch of customers. They have to be producing things for the GDP, for the health of the economy, etc., etc. And these guys are saying, no, well, that would be more expensive to do that in America. We have to pay higher wages, etc., etc. So we prefer to do it abroad where it's cheaper and we can make them cheaper and get more money. Uh, make more profit um, so yeah but I know I know that's the rationale behind it but I know that's the reality behind it but on the face of it I was surprised how so many people in Congress could get away <clears throat> with trashing that idea because it makes sense if you're an American it makes sense economically from an American you know internal uh, uh, economy point of view but not if you're yeah a multinational corporation, i.e. multinational being your American company that just operates multinationally and extracts profits from around the world. Um, but yeah, if it goes in that direction, I mean, obviously it'd be pushed back from them, but if it goes in that direction, um, it'll say to me that uh, that, that there's a, a reality in a certain sense setting in that America can't compete in the same way that it competed in, in, in this globalist kind of way. It can't compete. Uh, that America will fall into ruin if it does not change course, basically, mm. towards a more traditionally Republican protectionist economic policy, which means it goes to war with lots of countries that it formerly was. And I don't mean war, military, I mean economic war with, uh, with other countries, including China. And <clears throat> if that happens, then it'll be just more belligerence and China will decide, based on those economic factors, China might decide, well, ultimately, if one of the factors that has directly involves Taiwan and the importance of Taiwan and chip manufacturing, etc. for China, then China will be more likely to just say, okay, listen, we're going to take over. Uh, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to go into Taiwan, basically, and take control of Taiwan. So it won't be from a military perspective, it'll be from an economic perspective that China would invade Taiwan. In response to American Republican economic aggression against China. Which they're, which they're planning to do, which they've said that they're planning to do these 20, 20, this group of 20 Republicans, MAGA Republicans, supposedly with, they're hoping with, uh, with the support of many other Republicans, uh, possibly a majority to get bills passed. They're, they're, they're planning to do that. They've, they've tabled that already as we're going after China. We're going after Biden, we're going after China, we're going after Ukraine, we're going after military spending around the world, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're going, they say that anyway. Yeah, there was interesting <clears throat> footage of Gates and others, um, Paul Gosar, having very civil. We couldn't see what they were, hear what they were saying, but we could see, observe them chats with uh, AOC, other uh, members of the squad. You know, far lefty, uh, liberal, ultra liberal types in Congress, and they could see they were just discussing things. <laughs> we're on the same team here. Let's yeah. figure out. Let's work out a deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um. yeah, and that, it kind of ties into um, into Ukraine. You know, 
the Biden administration obviously still has, they're still the enduring kind of like support Ukraine to the last Ukrainian um, and they've tabled a new tranche of, you know, um, weapons supply, uh, which supposedly possibly come, you know, will be getting there around maybe in the next couple of months. It, it doesn't sound very significant. They're talking about Bradley fighting vehicles. There's no, I mean, they don't, they can't really supply. They talk about tanks and all that kind of stuff, but the, the limits of NATO, American and NATO ally, uh, the limits of their, their commitment to actually supporting Ukraine in a way that it would, would enable Ukraine to actually win, quote unquote, win a war, win this war against Russia. The limits are very clear and have been for quite a long time, you know. It's kind of drip, drip. They're sending them artillery shells, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, howitzers, basically artillery and artillery shells. They're not really sending very very many, much in the way of tanks, which they would have to, and they don't have the tanks that they can send to, to compete with the number of tanks that Russia has. Um, we're talking now about Patriot missile, uh, anti, anti-aircraft, you know, missile defense systems, which, again, they're... Their their effectiveness is in doubt. It's, their effectiveness is in doubt in doubt since the first Gulf War, when they weren't able to shut down shoot down an awful lot of Scud Iraqi Scud missiles. Of course, they've been updated and all that kind of stuff. But still, there is target practice essentially for for the Russians. You know, um, so there isn't any sign. They keep sending they keep sending enough to keep the war going. But all they're really doing is sending enough to keep Ukraine supplied with the bare minimum, the basic military equipment necessary to keep fighting, pushing back against the Russians, but not to win. And the Russians are slowly uh, but surely uh, wearing them down, and particularly the, man, particularly the, the manpower uh, that the Ukrainian military personnel uh, is seriously depleted uh, at this point. Uh, there's lots of videos coming out in, on Ukrainian kind of telegram channels and stuff like that where they're going around um, uh, basically abducting there's evidence off the of me yeah, like uh, the, it's, the, it's the Ukrainian mobilisation which is grab people off the streets and Teenagers. take them and, and throw them to the front maybe we'll just look at a little map here to see where uh, what the situation in Ukraine actually is see if you can throw that up there Scotty um, it's uh, hopefully it'll work it's a long kind of Google URL but it's Google Ukraine control map. Main thing, if you just... Is that all of Ukraine? That's good. That's all of Ukraine, yeah. Uh, some basic things to understand. that I don't think a lot of people have really understood about this conflict in Ukraine. Um, since, you know, there was talk of or expectations that, uh, you know, Russia would just... Uh, within a few days, Russia was going to take Kiev and what it was going to do it was going to, like, carpet bomb all of Ukraine, you know, a country that's bigger than France. Uh, it was just going to carpet bomb the whole country or something and win, win bigly, uh, like America did in, in Iraq. Days. Well, or even after six weeks. Wasn't it after six weeks in the 2003 Iraq war that um, Bush declared mission accomplished and then dragged on for another 10 years? Um, obviously, just silly, propagandistic nonsense takes on, on how wars actually happen. But anyway, the, some basic points is that We've talked about this before, but Ukraine was being prepared since 2014 after the US-backed coup in, in, in Kiev in 2014. The Ukrainian military was being prepared for the past eight years uh, for a conflict with Russia. 
not at Russia, not at Russia's instigation, not that Russia was planning to do it itself, but rather that NATO and Ukraine had decided, yeah, we're going to build up a military sufficient enough to attack uh, Russia to try and take back Crimea or do whatever. Um, one of the problems with so, so that line, the blue line, all the blue markers uh, are Ukrainian, and red is um, Russian military. Um, obviously, the Ukraine. If you have a, a, a an army. You put most of your army, in this case, they had to put most of their army to, to, to deal with the, the size of the Russian force that was invading. You have to put it in contact with the, with the enemy, right? You can't like just put a small amount, 10 or 20% of your military forces against the enemy and keep all the rest back in major cities because, well, then the, the small amount that you put in contact with the enemy will just be overrun and they'll just proceed. So you have to put most of your forces along the contact line, which was always, and, and again, they dug in along that, uh, along the border of, more or less the border of, of Donetsk and Luhansk. The Ukrainians had dug in there, going back several years and with all sorts of fortifications for that kind of a conflict. So the deciding factor here will be, over the next weeks and maybe a few months, will be... Uh, the extent of those, those, the majority of the of the Ukrainian forces in blue there along the, the contact line of the Russians, how much they're degraded and how many are left. Because the other blue envelopes there are usually um, are uh, brigades, I think. Click on one there, Scotty, on top left or something like that. Yeah, brigades. Brigades are made up of battalions, maybe three to six battalions. The battalions may be somewhere between three and a thousand men. So you're talking about a few thousand at most in each of those areas. The vast majority of what remains of the Ukrainian military may be, I don't know exactly, nobody really knows, because that's obviously a fairly closely held secret, but the actual numbers of, 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 of soldiers left, because if there's no soldiers left, Ukraine falls, by definition. Uh-huh. If there's no soldiers left to man those artillery and to push back the Russians, the Russians just spread across the country and Ukraine is done. Um, so it, really the decisive point here is is what happens along that control line where the red and the blue are, are in contact with each other and in particular areas along it. There's battles going on right now. Uh, you know, I don't think we need to get into the specific details, but... Um, if over, depending on how things go, if over the next... Uh, the next few days even, but probably weeks, uh, that that uh, front line basically, along with the blue and the red meat, uh, if the Ukrainian military collapses, and it may collapse along that line, uh, then it's more or less done. There's a bit of cleaning up to do and stuff, but it's more or less done. Um, and that, of course, depends at this point the Ukrainian military's ability to continue fighting is entirely dependent on weapons supplied from the West. There's been a lot of, uh, you see the three or four or five envelopes up there in in Belarusia. There's been a lot of training going on over the several months, a lot of the mobilization of troops from Russia declared last uh, late last year. Uh, a lot of them have been uh, sent to Belarusia and there's a lot of... Uh, Preparations going on in Russia, uh, with the assumed intention of an offensive down from Belarusia to cut off resupply from the West, because all of the from the left, there all of the all of the resupply for Ukrainian military is coming from the West. So Russia seems to be, you know, following a kind of 
at this point and preparing for a, a, a two-pronged strategy. Basically, one is to continue to degrade Ukrainian forces in the east to the point that they're not really able to do much anymore and at the same time prevent any further resupply from the west through, and we'll have to wait and see, but through an incursion, basically an offensive down from um, Belarusia into, um, into northern Ukraine to, to take cut off uh, key uh, transport corridors so that anything left, the, the troops that are left, in the, the Ukrainian troops left in the east are really screwed in the sense that not only are they degraded in terms of actual numbers, but they have very little in the way of equipment to actually Resupply, yeah. to do anything with. Um, and when that happens, you know, that's it, a big it blow. Quickly. It could end quickly. Yes, it could. It, yeah. it, it does. It drags on. It's slow grind, 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 grind. But then it gets to a certain point where within a few weeks, it dramatically changes. Mm. And that's, that's the way all wars really happen. You know what I mean? There's a certain point where, an inflection point where it just kind of like swings in the opposite direction and that's it, you know. Well, the, the um, ever hopefuls in the West are suggesting that that point would be, oh, look, it's a stalemate. Nobody won. But yeah. that's, that's fantasy landed. Yeah, it? for sure. Uh, there's no way. What about these 200,000 Poles? When are they being sent in? <laughs> <laughs> Poles, the whole Polish thing is funny. I mean, NATO, if, NATO, there's a chance that NATO would get directly involved if, the, if there was a... If, if the Russians include in... If, if they come down from Belarusia and their intent is just to attack and stop trans, uh, supply lines from the West, which originated in Poland for the most part... Um, there's a chance that there could be some exchange, direct contact between NATO forces in Poland and there could be some missiles fired into Poland uh, at, at staging areas for for resupply just over the Polish border. Um, but in that case, I mean, NATO, it's actually, like we said this previously, um, I've, I've thought it often and it's true that, and I've told people that, depending on the type of news, but for a lot of the news especially the propaganda coming out from governments in the West and stuff, you can turn it on its head. The truth is actually much closer to exactly the opposite of what they're saying. Um, so all the talk about NATO being strengthened and NATO alliance and NATO loyalty and NATO cohesion being super strong and all this kind of stuff, that is going to be exposed as a complete the massive farce and lie that it is if it ever gets to the point, if it, if it happens where um, there's direct contact between NATO uh, forces and Russia. Yeah, well, they will collapse. They will. I mean, there is no cohesion in, in in NATO at all. The opposite of what they say. Yeah, this great war in Europe this last year has actually been a great splintering of NATO, and right. we won't see that properly. But in the meantime, we have plenty of Victor Orban last week. Um, he, I mean, he completely grocks the war party issue. Um, have a listen. I think it's subtitled. This is just a clip from a speech, half a minute, where he's, um, I suppose he's speaking in Hungarian, so he's explained to a home audience, but he probably intends it for everyone in Europe to hear it. Uh, if you're sending weapons to Ukraine, you're part of the war. It's going to, you know, there, there is no middle ground. This pretend middle ground we've had is, is phony. Európa nagy része már benne van ebben a háborúban, belesodródott. Aki fegyver szállít, az benne van a háborúban legalább bokáig. Aki az egyik hadviselő fél katonáit kiképzi, az benne van térdig. Aki nem csak a katonákat képzi egyénileg, hanem még műveleti 
Tehát irányítási képzést is az, az benne van kötésig a háborúban. Ha pedig az egyik hadviselő felett teljes egészében finanszírozza, most már nem csak a hadi kiadásokat, hanem az állam működését is, mint hogy az Európai Unió teszi most 18 milliárd euró erejéig, az függig van benne a háborúban. Nagyon remélem, hogy nem keveredik bele Európa nyakig ebbe a háborúban. Magyarország minden esetre kívül tudott maradni mindezen, és fönn tudta tartani a nagy a nemzetközi nyomás ellenére is azt az álláspontját, hogy azonnali tűzszünetre, azonnali béketárgyalásokra és békére van szükség. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is 100% antithetical to NATO slash EU position. Yet he remains, the country remains nominally in both, but it's, in terms of physical actual actions, it's doing the opposite. So, so the others too, of course, Germany is, uh, John Bolton wrote an op-ed in the British Telegraph. Soon to be present, Bolton. <laughs> yeah, he wishes. Um, he, completely castigating Germany, you know, I, That's been happening all year, though. That wasn't the first time mm -hmm. that they basically they started calling Germans, you know. The same kind of insult they used to give France, you know, collaborators, mm -hmm. so on. So For Germany's actual actions are, are mixed, you know. It's mostly virtue signaling to the party line that we're involved in this war, but they're not, not in the way they could be. Yeah. Um, so the fracturing has already taken place. This <coughs> last year has already been the fracturing of NATO. Mm -hmm. All that remains is the coup de grace, the official... Acknowledgement of it. The official acknowledgement of it would be that if NATO was attacked, if NATO country was attacked, or and, to, and Article 5 is triggered, and everybody goes, eh, I have to go, uh, I've got a meeting, see ya. Well, <coughs> flesh it out first for people. If something like that happens, there's going to be a month or so of hysteria, and it's going to sound like NATO is stronger than ever before. Mm -hmm. it's, it's stronger than it was last year squared. It's going mm -hmm. to sound really, really like NATO is super solid. Mm -hmm. And then it's, uh, there's going to be... There's going to be crickets, yeah. Crickets, nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's over. Um, okay, what about Kosovo? Serbia, Kosovo's heating up. Is that just like... A throwaway kind of like we're on our way out, but here we're going to stir another fire here on the way. Or something. Well, if NATO if NATO was to kind of collapse and stuff, then you find the Kosovars would be suddenly go very silent as well, with Serbia growling down at them. You know, their 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 courage uh, only comes from um, the, the the support they get from from the, NATO countries. The, the largest NATO. American base in Europe, yeah. Bond Steel, yeah, in Kosovo, yeah. And their statues to Hillary and Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. They won't be uh, worshipping at those exactly. anymore in Pristina. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, the Russians claim today that the Russian MOD says that they killed in one strike over 600 mm -hmm. Ukrainian soldiers sleeping in some facility in Kramatorsk. Mm -hmm. And that it was a, quote, retaliatory strike for the Makayevka strike. Mm -hmm. in Donetsk last week mm -hmm. that killed they revised the figure they said 89 the Ukrainians claimed they killed 400 Russian mobilized in one go but yeah they always exaggerated but uh, yeah that's an example you know you lose 600 soldiers in one day in, in one strike and it's like you know how many have you got left really you know um, yeah it's um, well are the European like at least just complete are they just stupid to be so late to realizing this or to still be virtue signaling to the party line when 
if it if it's really every man for himself, are they just shocked deer in the headlights that uh, they're still trying to grok, come to terms with it? And well, it's I'm not saying it's what I'm saying is that the the every man for himself thing is is brewing basically. It's that that's what's to come this year. It's not that way yet. They're still they still believe the band's going to make it. You know that, and they're still you know they're they're immersed in, in, in their own particular ideologies and the ideologies that they've been brought up in, you know, and it's it's a hard habit to change, you know what I mean? Um, when you've been, that's all you've known for your entire life type thing. It's it's almost inconceivable for them to imagine uh, their fall. A Europe their, without America. Yeah, their fall from grace, basically. They they can't imagine this day. They just see it, that's just the jungle. The jungle takes over the, over the beautiful garden, you know, and that's just inconceivable and we'll do whatever is necessary to stop it happening. But what that translates down to is their own personal particular, their own personal positions of power uh, and influence that they don't want to see uh, go. Basically, they don't want to see the loss of that, and that's what that's what's implied. So they'll do they'll, they'll double down on everything and anything to prevent the the future from happening. Basically, from reality from setting from from setting in. You know, it, it'll it'll set in anyway. Reality will manifest anyway, but. Yeah, so they're all in for they're all in for a, a big shock, you know, and for some for for bad time, you know. But uh, don't expect any of them to to wake up and and, and smell the roses. Expect them to double down on bad ideas, uh, and then whenever it really when it, when they can't avoid the reality, they'll just uh, do the Homer Simpson thing and you know meld back into the hedge and say see you later, whatever you know, you know, figuratively speaking, you know, uh, they'll. They'll talk a lot of nonsense and you know, uh, make excuses and blame everybody and everything other than themselves. Uh, it's yeah, it's not, it's not looking good. There's, I mean, Putin has Putin spelled it out, you know, in broad terms about the the change over to a multipolar world, and that implies serious serious chaos and destruction and collapse and in different ways and forms. Um, and that's that's what uh, that's what's on the agenda, and it's not being done by any one person in a certain sense, you know. Um, if, if there's anybody to blame for it, it's the West, you know, for not readjusting, not accepting, seeing reality, accepting reality, and adjusting their positions to uh, to deal with that new reality, to align themselves with a new reality. They're pushing back, they're digging their feet in, and that just makes everything worse. That just makes a a a, a more chaotic scenario much more likely. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ascribing kind of rational intent to these people, it's just like people are going to see just how ir- irrational these people are. Well, Eventually, people will realize just how irrational they are. Apart well, from, unless you say rational, rational is self-interest, you know. But it's not even rational self-interest at a certain point. It's well, I, you seem to be painting a very rational turn in American self-interest, which that's what surprised me. I, I, I've had them as the most pathocratic, and therefore. The least likely to acknowledge reality, but you're suggesting overall that they are. But they're going to be reacting to a change in reality. The reality creators can't see reality. They are, but it's too late. Even for the Americans. Because, I mean, the the idea of of, uh, every man for himself, doggy dog world, American protectionism and economic war and all that kind of stuff, they're going to lose that. America has only one future economically, and it's economic collapse. They're going to do their best to... But I thought you said MAGA. No MAGA. They want to go for MAGA, but in lunging for it, 
it's going to collapse because of because of the history that there's the, 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 yeah. because of where they are because of how late they have uh, they have left it um it's 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 not possible america has and it's not their fault it's it's what america has been doing for the past i don't know how long you want to go back but the last 80 years if you want to go back 80 years in terms of how how it's set itself up as the as the the world's policeman and all the, all the policies that they enacted as a result of that, and not least of which is the massive spending of, 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 or printing of American dollars and all that kind of stuff. That the paper has to be paid one way or another, you know. And like I said, but when I said when we started talking about this, I said MAGA. When you eventually got me to explain it was like I mean, it was MAGA was making America great again. In in terms of you see that your house is in a bad state of repair and you have to decide what to do about it. Uh, I'm not. That's a bit too given too much conscious intent to them. But the end result is that the house has to be knocked down and rebuilt. Yeah, you know, if you've got really shitty foundations, you can't patch it up. You know, you have to redo the foundations basically, and that's what making America making America great again uh, is all about. Do you think other countries <clears throat> will help them in the process? Help them go down? Yeah. I don't think they'll have to. They, well, America uh, through piss the, off the Chinese. Yeah. Well, the that, Chinese will join the Russians. Yeah. Well, well, well I mean, the Chinese are already in, in bed with the Russians. But uh, I think that's what I was saying. A part of the in – their, in, their, in, in the Americans and the Republicans' attempt to, you know, protect themselves and to, to bolster their – you know, improve their economic outlook, they're going to have to go to economic war in a certain sense with – uh, major other major countries, China, China in particular, and um, they're going. They're not going to win that war. You know, China will simply respond to that kind of aggression, and the end result. You know what I mean? It's like if you're America is fundamentally weak. You know, and given the right conditions, that weakness will be exposed. Uh, so, if someone who's fundamentally weak uh, and doesn't realize it, but and can't can live with the idea of being weak lashes out at someone else who's stronger than them, that person is fully entitled to punch the butt in the face and a weak person getting punched in the face collapses. Mm. No matter how great and strong they think they are, their inherent structural weaknesses will, will manifest when they get hit back. Uh, but again, they're in a difficult situation. They're in a no, no-win situation in that sense. They don't maybe realise that, uh, but they'll find out that they're in, a, in a, a, a situation where there's no good option for them, really. Mm. Of course, you know, economic collapse doesn't mean that the whole country collapses into a hole or anything like that, you know. But it's it's a difficult situation, and it's not just for America; it's a difficult situation economically for the entire globe, you know, uh, because of, like I said, the the same reason that that the, the causes of, uh, of of Americans America's economic fragility right now are the same causes that w- that mean that in the case where America has a serious economic crisis, the rest of the world does as well. Yeah, you know the two are tied together. You know it's kind of like the Samson option. You know, not intended, but the end result is like if we go down, you're going down too. Not because I want it want it to happen that way, but that's the way it's been set up. That's the way the global system is set up. You know, right? People will try. Other countries will try and protect themselves against it, and they are already trying to protect themselves against it. Particularly China and Russia, other major countries, India, etc., are divesting from uh, you know trading dollars, getting rid of dollars, buying more gold. Um, so they all have, you just look at that and you see countries doing that and the extent to which they're doing it and you realise that those countries the people who are doing that in those countries in those governments obviously see something or smell something coming down the line and it doesn't look good for America they no longer have full faith in the credit of the US dollar yeah 
And if if the if you know a tipping point arrives and enough countries buy into that and, and go along with that, then yeah, America's suddenly America's uh, um, dirty laundry is exposed to the whole world to see, and the dirty laundry is stacked full of shitty, dirty dollars. Like there's dollars, and and they're all going back home, you know. And then the American economy uh, contract contracts down to a, a realistic assessment of you know the value of the American com- economy, and that gets back to what Trump and and others today see as a problem, which is the actual tangible re- worth, tangible worth of realistic, yeah, the realistic value of the American economy is is way way less than than the than what it says than on the currency statistic or or the, the amount of dollars in circulation that yeah. in theory should be reflective of the value of the country and and the reason that uh, the reason for that is like you mentioned earlier on is that uh, so many american nominally american or american companies who claim to be multinational companies or whatever not investing in america but instead putting all their operations in overseas derivatives to contracts that are overseas exactly and you know, yeah. So it's not good, but well, let's just have to see it all, how it all plays out. Those are those are just the broad strokes, but um, how it plays out in in the specifics uh, remain to be seen. But even even so, you can still kind of narrow down the specifics almost uh, to to likely scenarios. You know, um, Ukraine. The one way or another, the Ukrainian military is going to collapse in the near future. Let's, I don't know how far extend that out, maybe till the summer. I don't know, give, give myself lots of leeway there and call it six months. Uh, it could be a lot sooner than that. But. Yeah. The, <clears throat> the other wing in the US, the neocon, neolib wing, is adamant that you, that is existential for the United States and their survival now depends on winning in Ukraine mm-hmm. and Russia collapsing. Mm-hmm. Is that just ideological, or is there any grounds for? Is, mm. there, is there reality to that too, for the reality creators? Well, you know what, what do you call him, Stunt, Stoltenberg, the NATO Secretary, Secretary General? Yeah, t- tied it to to China. He said that if we don't win in Ukraine, then that will uh, embolden China. China will see that it too can. You know, he talks in these kind of like. And it's kind of vague, not, it's not even vague. He talks in these overly, over-simplistic kind of like missing the point or, 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 you know, manipulative terms just like that. He says, if we don't win in Ukraine, uh, if Ukraine doesn't win or we don't win in Ukraine, um, if Russia wins, China will look at that and say, oh, Russia just took some land in Ukraine. I can take Taiwan yeah. and then they'll do it. So obviously it's much more complicated than that. That's not actually what's going on at all, but it it it, it highlights his thinking, mm. you know? It's the same as President Lyndon Johnson, 1968. He leans into the press who are asking these questions. It fleshes this out for us. Why do we have to double down in Vietnam? Mm-hmm. And he says, if we don't stop the commies there, mm-hmm. all these other little commie dominoes mm-hmm. will fall. Mm-hmm. And... He left at that, and he was chuffed. You know, he thought that was enigmatic but clear. But the people were like, "No, that doesn't. That still doesn't make sense." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it made sense to him. Yeah, and the people behind and who think like mm-hmm. him. Well, but the, it's exactly the same 
there's no difference in their in thinking. Hey, their thinking thinking hasn't changed. No, exactly. I mean, I mean, realistically, what happens is is if you, Russia, you know, defeats the Ukrainian army, and you know, establishes a, a, a peace or surrender terms or whatever terms of surrender in Ukraine, that mean you know Russia is you know has won basically and, and dominates the, the future of Ukraine and dictates the future of Ukraine. Um, it's a big psychologically. It's a big blow for the West and NATO who, who stake their claim on we're going to push back Russia. But the reason they're pushing back against they're not even pushing back against Russia. They 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 initiated aggression against Russia because they realised that Russia that the, the growth of Russia and the development of Russia and, and in league with other countries like China and you know other uh, the rest of the not international community Iran. the rest of the world they realised that was a problem and that down the line that was going to be a problem for American hegemony in the world. So this, yeah, Ukraine is definitely um, uh, uh, a key point for them in terms of putting Russia in its place. There's a big part of the psychological in a certain sense. You got defeated. You lost, you know, and then the implications of the problems, the problems back home, psychologically among the population, oh, we lost in Ukraine, etc. You know, it, it, it emboldens the West and... and, and Re-establishes Russia re- back yeah, a generation. Re-establishes the West authority and all that kind of stuff, and does the opposite if they lose. You know, mm. so he's talking. They talk in those terms because it is partly psychological, but there is a practical uh, aspect to it as well, where um, the rest of Ukraine that Russia isn't even in now uh, becomes. You know, there's a new government that's um, allied effectively in one way or another with Russia. All of Russia, all of Ukraine's resources, all the you know, it's the, the kind of. The, the, the wheat and the it sunflower. It becomes another Belarus. It right. joins your, your Asian right. Union and stuff it makes, like that. Tangibly, Russia is more powerful. It has more GDP. It has more bigger population. And it has more influence then and more imposes more of a threat in a certain sense, but not in a malevolent way, but just simply through its influence and power. It, it gets to have more influence over or with European countries. So European countries, Western European countries then after Russia wins in Ukraine, become more amenable to what Russia wants and doing the business with Russia. Nord Stream 2 gets fixed, blah, 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 blah. And that's all super bad for America, you know. It's uh, part of the reason they blew up Nord Stream, Nord Stream 1 and 2, you know. Um, yeah, and also, you know, it, it, it cements and it, 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 the increase in Russian influence and power um, with Europe also implies, you know, uh, an increase in, in Russia's ability to dictate its vision of the, its multipolar world vision, where America is down the totem pole, where it belongs. It increases China's influence and power and control. Um, it's all it's all bad, you know. Um, because it's only bad when, when you come from the position of, I have to rule the world. I have to dictate, dictate terms to everybody. Everybody has to do more or less what I say. Anything that, that eats into that and diminishes your influence to do that is bad for you. Because you can no longer do it. Yeah, well, it's economically. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you take a hit to your credibility, your reputation, and it eats into your 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 economic influence and ultimately the you know the your currency, the purchasing power of uh, the, the 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 value of the American currency. You know, all sorts of different implications. But that's just a natural order that's establishing itself. Like Putin talks about of a multipolar world. The world should be multipolar, of course. You know what I mean? I mean, you've got this. It's kind of like diversity, you know, or you democracy. Can, yeah, well, you can you can almost interchange multipolar and diversity. You know, diversity means you know not just differences, but 
equality or, you know, equal, equi- equity, equity, equal rights among the diverse, right? That's what America is all about, supposedly. The Biden administration loves diversity. Why not in the globe? Hmm. You know? Yeah. Although it's a different kind of a diversity. It's diversity, essentially, according to Putin, it's diversity or, or multipolarity based on the innate influence and power and strength that any given country has. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's, an, it's an interesting quirk of how this has all happened. That As this multipolar system was developing and beginning to take effect over decades, in that time span, Americans and British especially, Westerners more generally, interpreted those reality signals completely differently. And you've ended up with this whole woke thing. Yeah. It's like diversity, democracy, equity. Yeah. Here's our version of it. And yeah. It's completely mangled Frankenstein, mm-hmm. which isn't the one that reality is signaling to no. them. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a horrific ideological cover for, in fact, more of the same. Right, more control. Domination, right. aggression, psychopathy. Right. right. It's a weakening of the inherent, that whole idea of diversity and all the lefty woke stuff that's trying to be exported around the world by the West, in particular America, is, has the natural effect of weakening the, the innate kind of cultural, social, religious identity of any given country and homogenizing it all. And by weakening the, those, those aspects in that country, you weaken the country. Because a country derives its strength from its sense of national identity, national culture, you know, the people. Because ultimately, the war in Ukraine right now has been fought by uh, Russian men, Russian citizens, who are fighting, at least partly, uh, under the belief of they're Russians, they have an identity, it was under attack, and they're protecting their homeland, protecting something that's unique that's theirs. That attempt to remove that uniqueness and homogenize or, or a, a pan culture, a pan, uh, you know, at least, maybe it's not even, it, it's new, but it, it is homogenous. It's like everybody should do this. Everybody should do diversity. Everybody should do, um, you know, what are the other terms? Transgenderism. I don't know. Uh, you know. Uh, open society. Open society. All that George kind of stuff. George Soros would yeah. say. Um, and, and attacking the, the cultural foundation of many countries, you know, undermining the culture. I mean, how more explicit do you have to be? Or, or how, what better example of undermining at least part of a country, a very basic part of any, most countries so far in history, countries' uh, culture, uh, how much more explicit is, in, in, in attempting to undermine that, is the idea of spreading the idea of men and women are no longer men and women. Women aren't the only ones who can have babies. Men can have babies too. The, the, the male-female family and children is just an old, archaic, out-of-date idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's attacking the very foundation of what people have, for, for millennia, human society has been based on. So it is an attack. That, to the extent that that's being, they're attempting to, whoever's attempting to expre- spread that around the world, it rightly should be seen and is being seen in some countries anyway, no, most notably Russia, as an attack on our country, an attempt to weaken us so that you can, you can uh, dominate us. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my roundup. Okay. For the new year. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Do you ever hear of Operation Unthinkable? No. Um, it's just a three-page document. It was uh, published uh, it was secret for years, but the British National Archives published it in 1998. Um, NationalArchives.gov.uk Operation Unthinkable. It was a report from British military leaders to Winston Churchill on the chances of, quote, Operation Unthinkable, a surprise attack on the USSR, 22nd May, 1945. So uh, Victory Day was but two weeks old, and Churchill wasn't just given to Churchill. Churchill wanted a feasibility study. He was his brainchild. He thought, while we have momentum, let's go go smash Russia. Let's go do what Hitler couldn't do. These assholes against our allies. These assholes didn't just come up with it quickly afterwards. Throughout the war, their allies, they were like ideologically aligned with Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you look at it, the, the history of the Amer- history of the American. It states twentieth century is the same as this. Is something that you never see stated anywhere, but it's what is implicit in the entire Russia Gate Russophobia bullshit of the last decade. Object, it's in this document. The overall or political object of Operation Unthinkable is to impose upon Russia the will of the United States and British Empire. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that written anywhere. Mm. You'll never see them really say, even yeah. the Anne Applebaum's Russia must die, sure, but she never says what our mission is, mm. is to impose our will on the Russians. Mm-hmm. It was once stated <coughs> with, with Berlin still smoldering. Mm-hmm. They thought, let's go for it now. I well, when they're weak, right? They just lost 20-plus million people uh, fighting, the, fighting and defeating, effectively, the Nazis. So let's get them when they're down, you know? It doesn't mention nuclear weapons, but it talks about America's um, military advantage mm-hmm. and technological advantages. Yeah. And they were thinking, before the Ruskies get this, let's, you know... Kumbaya, let's, let's just blow up the well, whole Soviet Union. Stalingrad wasn't Stalingrad, uh, Pennsylvania, you know. It was Stalingrad, uh, Russia. You know what I mean? The, I mean, the Americans, yeah, at the end of the Second World War, the Americans, there hadn't been one, apart from Pearl Harbor, which was in Hawaii, there hadn't been one bomb dropped on the continental US, you know. You look at Europe and it's in ruins, yeah. America's like, yeah, so we're doing pretty good over here. We didn't... Uh, only lost a few hundred thousand soldiers, whatever. Um, Russia lost 20 million. Cities in ruins. They just defeated the Nazis. Let's get them. We're in good shape. Yeah. But well, that's... They chickened out. The report says why. Um, there's, it's, it's just a little bit too risky because as much as the Russians are uh, dependent on manpower rather than technology like mm-hmm. us, they're, they were scared of them. They were just that bit too scared of what they they saw in countering Hitler's armies in the march across Europe. So it tipped the balance, but it just shows you the mindset of these people. Like that's what they would have. This, that's their ideal. Mm-hmm. They couldn't quite. They they didn't quite step over that line then, um, and they won't today. Of course, I'm not bringing this up to suggest Operation Unthinkable is is something that could happen here. Um, but, but, it, it but was, these people, 
do think the unthinkable mm-hmm. all the time. It's what drives mm-hmm. everything they do and say, which are ideological covers. The unthinkable, what you and I would not think about, they think about every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every fucking day. They, they wake up yeah. and they think about assassinating Putin or wiping Moscow off the face of the earth, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's when you have that mentality. Well, she's yeah. Maybe they'll maybe they'll have to acknowledge reality of a multipolar world, but they're going to go down screaming. Yeah, the hysterics are going to be. They're going to go down scre- screaming, and structurally, the they have no choice but to go down screaming. Screaming in a certain sense, the imposition or the creation or the the development of a the natural development of a multipolar world implies some serious economic and structural, whatever, readjustment of America. You know what I mean? So it's not even, even if they didn't oppose it, even if now they tried to adjust themselves to it, it still implies a significant amount of pain for America and and, and the West in general, the international community that are particularly tied together and that are still, you know, thinking the band's going to make it and still not, even countries that don't aren't really not they're they're ideologically tied to America, but they're not physically uh, they're ideologically and economically tied to America to a large extent. But they're they're not total. They're not like America in that sense. They're not exactly. They're not inseparable. So, like European countries could at this point still try and uh, take action to mitigate the extent of the uh, the, uh, the extent of the impact that they're going to feel because of their ties to America. They could reduce those ties going forward. Instead, but they won't do it because they're ideologically driven. Instead, France goes from being a net exporter of energy for decades. Mm-hmm. It has too much. It has nuclear power. It's got a surplus. Everyone around it buys it all, electric, electricity off France to not having enough. Yeah. So the act, they're taking actions to willfully self-sabotage. Is that for America? That's well, for greening the planet. Yeah. The, the, you have to here. That's, you have to get into you have to get into a conspiracy theory here. And explain that you have to go beyond just the nuts and bolts overt stuff to a conspiracy theory, which is that these people know that things are going to. There are certain people anyway among in positions of power in Western governments, etc., and beyond them that know that they they know that something bad is coming down, and they're preparing for that kind of a a collapse and and, and social chaos. Um, and they're trying to prepare the population for it in advance by 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 tightening their belts, tightening your belts, getting you accustomed to less, you know, and, and coming up with reasons and explanations as to why this is happening to reduce social chaos, to reduce uh, and, and, and very likely anger and uh, protest and so that they and don't go from the shock, bringing back the guillotine, right? So they don't go from the shock of a normal life to. Controlled chaos, okay. controlled demolition, basically. Okay. That that's that's what that's where I mean, at least with the green the green New Deal or the green agenda and all that kind of stuff, the greening of the economy. Uh, they know everybody knows everybody has any sense knows that there's no way you can run the world on wind power on wind and solar power the way it has been run. You can do you can transition to wind and solar power, uh, but a lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to starve, and by a lot I mean fifty percent of the population or more, and they know that. So how do you explain why they're pushing ahead with it? And it's not even like, they're not putting it off 50 years. 
It has to be by 2030 for some reason. Yeah, it's very yeah, urgent. They're doing it now. Like, it's like straight away, you know. They talk, I mean, China, people, people who are still lucid enough talk about it. Like there's no way. Elon Musk said it and, and other people have said it. Like there's this whole solar wind stuff. Yeah, maybe, you know, you can transition partly to that or whatever, but it's always going to be very uh, vulnerable, to, obviously, to the weather. Um, and and it's not, not reliable. And not reliable. Musk so says you need nuclear. Well, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And the powers that be know that. Right. But they don't build them. Right. But they tell you, tell the people to act as if you're going to go green, right? You start putting solar panels on your house and, you know, there's going to be electricity shortages and electricity cuts, et cetera, et cetera. But you ask the question, why are there going to be electricity shortages? And it's like, well, because we're transitioning to green energy, right? We're cutting down, shutting down our solar, our, our nuclear power plants. We're cutting off uh, gas and oil. That's why. It's like, so why are you cutting off gas and oil? Because the planet is being destroyed by it. No, it's not. Certainly not by nuclear power and certainly not by gas. In fact, it's, not, it's obviously nonsense. So there's another agenda at foot there, but it gets very murky. And like I said, you have to get into some kind of... You, you have to go where the evidence leads in a certain sense or where it's, what it suggests. You have to come up with a plausible narrative or a plausible explanation as to why these people are doing this, knowing that it's going to involve... A lot of pain and social and upheaval. You're going to destroy the economy. Why are you pushing and, ahead... And with risk having guillotines and revolutions. Yeah. Why are you pushing ahead with destroying the economy? But why do you want to destroy the economy? Forget about your narrative and all that kind of stuff. I know you're giving me all these reasons how the economy won't be destroyed, but it quite clearly, if you, if you model it out, it is going to be destroyed. So why are you doing it? Can you just tell me that that's what you're going to do? Can you just admit it that that's what you're going to do? You're going to destroy the economy, and then can we maybe we'll get to the reasons why? No, no, no. That's only in the holiest of holies. That's only after a good paddling and lying in a coffin for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt the sickles. Okay, any any uh, interesting comments there today, Scotty? Uh, let me look back. That's why Hess flew to Britain, indeed. If he did, I'm not sure about that. What you can say for sure is that that's why the Panzer Division stopped for three days and let the British, the cream of the British Army, escape yeah. from Dunkirk. Before they turned around and planned to go east. Um, somebody, somebody's got to speak. Someone's going to speak out. Someone in Prince, uh, King Charles now, his royal court, who knows what he really thinks and why he's like, we must do it now. They can't all stay silent, can they? They're doing a pretty good job of it so far. What was that video recently of a CIA guy saying that by 2027 it's coming down? What was the it he was referring to? He didn't actually say something oh, big. Again, it's always a blip. Like he said, China. Oh, but but worse, you know, obviously the implications of some kind of a major confrontation with China implies economic foobar. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Anyway, I think that's all the summing up I can do. Or I can take, rather. Have you got uh, any more you've tidbits? You've got a lot more conspiracy theorizing, but you're going to no. say you're going to dole gonna it out, you know, cautiously over the year, bit by bit. Yeah, yeah. As it reveals itself, we'll no. be able to talk about it a bit more. When okay. it, when it's the only thing that makes really makes any sense anymore, when all the other narratives have fallen away because they don't really that doesn't explain it. It's only when people are ready that you tell them what's going on. So you just have to wait. Reality will do its bit. 
Anyway, yeah, so we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget to smash all the buttons. We'll be back next week with another show on more of the same, uh, whatever's been going on. Uh, until then, stay tuned and have a good week. See ya. Bye. Thanks for watching. Bye, all. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.